Hello, my name is Emily Jennings, and welcome to the She's Heard podcast, where we'll be hearing from extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life about how they found their voice and are using it to speak up and create a meaningful life. You'll be hearing stories that inspire us to be courageous, keep it real, be compassionate, and trust ourselves through the process of living bolder, more authentic lives. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Elaine Margarita Williams. Elaine was born in Venezuela to a Venezuelan mother and an Italian-Scottish-Irish-American father. She lived in Venezuela with her family for the first six years of her life, and then they moved to Saudi Arabia. She lived in Saudi Arabia until age 10, then continued to move every four years after that to Washington State, Wisconsin, Missouri, and Kansas, until she finally settled in San Francisco as a young adult about 15 years ago. Living in the Midwest helped her understand the kinds of people who prefer the security and consistency of living in the same place for hundreds of years, generation after generation. This was a very different experience than her early formative years growing up in the bustling multicultural compound in Saudi Arabia. The starkness of the different environments helped her realize that she thrives in diversity. Moving frequently was not easy for Elaine. As she came of age, she found refuge from consistently participating in athletics everywhere she moved. Sports became her outlet for the emotional and psychological challenges from moving and traveling so frequently. Elaine's love and passion for athletics and moving in her body led her to become a fitness professional. She specializes in helping women and men achieve a lifestyle that honors the principles of optimal health and fitness. Elaine first used these principles on herself to overcome a back injury without surgery, contrary to the advice of numerous doctors who said emergency surgery was her only option. Now, she helps people, especially women and people of color, to break through their physical and mental limitations. Elaine has a master's in sports management. She's a Czech practitioner, a neuro-linguistic programming coach, a certified massage therapist, a holistic lifestyle coach, a spiritual counselor, and a Reiki practitioner. Needless to say, she's always learning and deepening her investigation of improving health and restoring balance while increasing mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual vitality. So we're in for a treat, people. And just an FYI, this conversation was recorded in my car at Cesar Chavez Park in Berkeley, California, which happens to be one of our most favorite spots to work out. It was a 70-degree autumn day, and you'll hear park noises in the background, as well as the comings and goings of other folks. I invite you to listen as if you're actually sitting in the car with us, gazing out at the San Francisco Bay with the sun streaming through the window, and imagine what you might have shared had you been in the car with us. So without further ado, here's our conversation. Tell us about a moment where you spoke up. Um, so this moment came during a very, very, very stressful time. Um, emotionally, mentally, physically, I was in college. The stress was in all sorts of areas. Um, it was affecting, so the stress was really that I was playing college basketball on a scholarship, and I also had an academic scholarship. And the demand of you know, the sport and the practices and the games on um, my physical body took a toll, and it's pretty high. I know any athlete out there would understand that. And then the nutrition that we got to eat wasn't really supportive of nourishing and replenishing the body. On top of that, there was a psychological uh, game that the coaches were like, 
if, if you're, you know, if the classes that you take get in the way of practice, then you, you got to choose practice over your desired academia. And that was stressful because I wanted to go into physical therapy and the labs and the biology classes and all of that were during practice times. So there was, there was decisions that I had to make that weren't what I would have hoped, right? It wasn't my ideal situation. I'd ideally wanted to have been able to get the degree I wanted in physical therapy and then also done my obligations in, as an athlete. But I had to choose athletics. There was also a lot of what I would say for me personally, a sense of like psychological and emotional manipulation. When our bodies were working so hard and they were getting hurt, there was talk from coaches that we're being lazy if we're not running fast enough or like we just need to get back in the game even if we're hurt physically. And I know athletes would totally understand this. It's that mentality of push it. No pain, no gain. Just if your body's hurting, suck it up. I got to the point where I hurt my back. And that was debilitating. It was the first time in my life I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything with my body that to me felt like normal. I started to think that I was going to just be like hunched over and have hurt back for the rest of my life. And the coaches said, like, people hurt their back. And what happens is you have surgery at the end of the year. And that's just what people do. And that's when I had that inner voice stand up and say, don't be like everybody else. That's not you. You're not like anybody else. So you don't want to have surgery and do whatever means it takes to not do that. Which meant that I had to stand up for myself to sit out on particular things that I knew by listening to my body were going to hurt me more. Like particular drills? Yep, or... particular drills. One thing is there was a mile run that we were getting timed for, and I didn't want to do it, and I said I can't. And um, I was pulled into the coach's office for that, and I was told there was going to be consequences based on my choice, and I still stood up for my body and said, I'm sorry, I'm still not going to do this. And when you're 19, 18, 19 years old, and you're doing that, well, and that's your meal myself. ticket, right? That's your meal ticket mm-hmm. is like making sure you're in good graces with them and you're doing your obligations as a, a basketball athlete. Mm-hmm. And I'll just speak for myself. At that age, I was still had a part of me that wanted to respect authority and didn't want to um, go against you know, a coach. But the inner voice and something that I've learned about my my inner voice, especially the one that talks about my body, is stronger than any other authority out there. And that's an example of where I really listen to uh, my body's voice saying, don't hurt yourself more, even if authority is trying to, to get you to do something. Don't be like everybody else. Don't fall into that trap. So that was another moment. And I'm glad I did stand up for myself in those times because there was a serious back injury that I know would have worsened. And I continue to manage that to this day. And for a lifetime, in my body, I'm going to have to manage that. And I can accept that. You know, I know I know to listen to my voice so that it doesn't get worse. Yeah. That's such a big lesson to get so early in life, really. 
it's a, it is a lesson and, and to get it like you and I were talking about to get it is to keep practicing it. Right. Right. It's like we can get the lesson and then what this gift of doing this podcast with you has reminded me is that I did learn that. And how often am I continuing to practice that? Because like you said, the repetitions is the mother of all mastery. When we know that every day we get opportunities to practice a lesson, it's just a matter of if we're reminded of it. So I appreciate the opportunity to remind myself because I've definitely changed the way I treat my body from being that athlete that was very high intensity to now supporting my body in a way that's very gentle, but also very healthy, very loving. So standing up for yourself as a bas- as an athlete on your basketball scholarship kind of led to then standing up yourself for yourself in your choice about treatment, right? Right. And that was another really big pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. It's like a journey of understanding stress. And so years go by after college, and now I'm taking on the life of work in the Bay Area. Cost of living is high. And I'm handling three jobs and going to school. And I'm dealing with a different kind of stress, more of a psychological stress of having to deal with all of these different entities and responsibilities. And I wasn't working out hard at all, but I started feeling this pain in my back return. I still had an athlete's mindset that I was transferring to work. So rather than just pushing myself physically through a basketball practice, I would push myself to work more in front of the computer or sit down study for long periods of time and eventually what happened was I started kind of hurting my back again to the degree where I went to the doctor and the MRI showed such damage to my nerve that they wanted to give me emergency surgery the next day and this is when I had to consult my inner voice again it was scary to hear oh yeah um these results don't look good. We need to set up emergency surgery tomorrow. And again, my inner voice was like, holy cow, that cannot happen. And how are you going to get out of this one now? And it made me realize that the physical injury to my body doesn't have to come from a physical act or behavior. That the stress psychologically and emotionally could re-injure my physical body. That was my lesson, and once I realized where the stress was coming from, that I was handling too much at work and in my life, and I decided to go on disability at work, and I cut out 50% of my work-life stress, my pain was reduced by 50%. It was a miracle and that huge lesson to know where is the stress really coming from, and to get really honest with myself. I had to basically let go of a six-figure salary and a lot of accolades doing great work to save my body's health and not have surgery. That That was a huge lesson and helped me kind of get even deeper into the layers of how my body is being affected by stress. So I'm grateful that the voice said, you can't do that. Somehow I've always felt like I don't fit the status quo. 
And I did get a second opinion and a third opinion. I actually got eight opinions because I didn't want to have surgery. And all the doctors were telling me to have surgery. I went in after having my stress reduced by 50%. I went in to meet this neurosurgeon who was going to do the surgery. And because my stress in my life had reduced and I was actually feeling joyful in the decisions I made to be on disability and not work, I walked in with a smile and he really said this to me. He said, why are you smiling? Have you seen what your back looks like? And I said, yeah. He goes, I don't know how you're standing. I don't know how you're smiling. If you were my daughter, I would not do surgery. Wow. And that, that alone made me walk out of his office with his cell phone number. Cause he's like, here, take my cell phone number down. Anything happens, call me and we'll do emergency surgery right away. And I have never called him <laughs> and it's been seven Almost seven years. That's amazing. Yeah. So all of that help has really influenced the trust you have in the body's ability to repair itself without Absolutely. surgery. Absolutely. You're Absolutely. not claiming, I know you're not claiming to be a doctor. I know you're not preaching no surgery. Right. But you are teaching and integrating into your coaching practice the power of supporting yourself with practices that decrease stress because the stress exacerbates injuries beyond what we even know. Yes. And, and most importantly, getting really honest with yourself about where these stressors are coming from, because they'll come, they'll come from a car. <laughs> that's turning itself yeah, on so get really you were saying get really honest with yourself about where the stresses are coming from and that's what you help people unpack mm -hmm. and that's the practice of just being alive and living mm -hmm. fully mm -hmm. is it's not like you work out once and then you're fit and it's not like you ha go to one training about race and then you're woke you know it's something you come back to every single day again and again and again right right and really it just it just takes getting super honest about what's that one thing that's causing you the most stress and when you reduce that everything else reduces the body re-establishes balance when the thing that's causing the most stress is reduces. You don't have to do anything else. Just let the body do it what it does naturally, which is recalibrate. And so all we have to do is take responsibility for how we, I, am causing myself the most stress. What do I have control over that I'm doing? And there's things I don't have control over so you know stop stressing about that mm -hmm. focus on what you can yeah, influence yeah and just one thing and it will it will be like a domino effect and I am so grateful I've actually had one insight improve another person's physical well-being from having a frozen back Within 10 minutes of downloading the small shift in perspective, pain was reduced. 
What do you mean by downloading? So, you know, people have to receive information. You can go on Google and learn all kinds of information. But if your inner voice is not ready to receive that or your ego's in the way or something is just not ready to accept a truth, mm-hmm. it won't work. That's why I say the first thing is to get really honest with what you need and be super accepting of that truth. These truths, most of the time, they're things we don't, we don't want to know. Like, I had to quit my job that I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. But I had to quit my job. Not because I didn't love my job or wasn't doing good work. It just wasn't what my body needed to be doing anymore. And I had to accept that even though I didn't really want to let go of a six-figure job. And, you know, tons of benefits. I could still be there right now and probably be so well off. Financially, but struggling physically. Yeah. yeah. I had to make that alignment with truth. And I think the bridge to knowing what the insight is to are you ready to accept this is how I help people. Because like I said, you can go and find all kinds of information on Google, but you may not be ready to accept that truth. And what I help people do is get to the point where they're going to get totally ready to receive the truth and implement it. You know, for example, a lot of times I'll get people that tell me I want to lose 20 pounds, but I am not going to stop drinking alcohol every day. And I think to myself, okay, mm-hmm. if the truth for you and your body is to stop drinking alcohol every day, then we need to take a path together where we go from your unwillingness to give up alcohol to maybe there's a possibility and a chance that you might. Mm-hmm. Let's just get there. And once there's some breakthrough in resistance of that, we'll get to the point where someone's willing to truly accept the truth that's going to be for their full well-being, the benefit of their entire mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being. Yeah, that's not easy work. That takes getting honest in ways that you're not most people like it's just hard as humans to get that honest with yourself. So that's brilliant and much needed. Yeah. It takes a commitment to to grow. And like you said, radical honesty. And I also think oftentimes a lot of pain. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of times (laughs) it takes being in, you know, looking at the consequences of confronting the consequences. And being real with the consequences of, of whatever you've been neglecting. Absolutely. So it's... Absolutely. It's very helpful to have somebody there with you walking through that, that you trust. Absolutely. All right. So tell me about Peru. Oh, Peru, Peru, Peru. So this is where I hit my bottom in regards to a really deep wound. I was at the point where I was really considering the end of my life as I knew it um, because I thought I've lived a really good life and I was in so much pain emotionally, psychologically that I, and I was, I was trying to convince myself, you know what, you've had a really good life and you don't want to suffer anymore like this. So, you know, 
it's, it's okay if, if you let it go. And I had been introduced to the Amazons and to shamanism several years ago, back in 2010, 11. And I remember the healing power of the shamans. And so I decided in that moment that if I believed in healing, I would give this a chance. The worst thing that would happen is I'd have an amazing experience and be supported in my transition. That's what I thought. So I went to Peru to, um, to just be with people that I feel a lot of support from. Shaman's work and plant medicine and the nature and the beauty of the life. And so what happened was during ceremony, I experienced so much joy. I have never been so happy in my life that I can remember. What ceremony? What do you mean? Ceremony was what the shamans guided me through using plant medicine. In particular... Was it like ayahuasca? It was ayahuasca, but there was also... Um, not in the same ceremony. So there were other ceremonies that were using uh, washuma. Okay. Which is a different medicine. And the ceremony is very intentional. It's voluntary, of course. And it's, um, it's guided by the shamans who use music, use prayer, and use the plant medicine that they've created to really support people in in cleansing out what's what's going on mm -hmm. psychologically emotionally physically and you know it's one of those experiences that I can't say I ever looked for I think it found me I didn't ever go looking for um, for shamanism or for plant medicine I I think it was my inner voice that just said you know what healing Healing may be possible if you try something outside of what you know and get out of your environment. And so I just have this willingness to give something different a chance. I'd highly recommend, though, that there's a trust factor in what is chosen for supporting anyone through healing practices of any kind. I trusted the person that I went to see. I trusted the experience and that is what allows one to be open to to healing and to the new possibilities that are there and so during during the ceremony I just found so much joy and I was depressed so sad and and even you know even apathetic in some ways and that experience helped me realize there's something inside of me that's still wanting to live a good life mm -hmm. because it's so happy for you and through you and as you I'd never seen myself experience that much joy and I said I have to live this out if that much joy is inside of me I have to use it I have to live into it and embody it because it's there and that turned my life around it felt like I was given a second chance never used antidepressants Never, um, not saying those aren't important for some people. It just wasn't they can my be path. a lifesaver for some. Yes, yeah, there's no judgment around it. it Absolutely, just wasn't the right choice for you at that time. Right. Whatever can help anybody. 
cross the bridge, like I said, mm-hmm. to a new way of thinking or a new way of of having hope and possibility for your life. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of times when we feel something is off, you can... You know, when you know you need to say something, when you know you need to pay more attention, when something feels off, you, f- you have a tell in your body where is, and it's different for different people. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's not. So I'm just curious as to where, where's the tell in your body? How do you know when something's up? I, I feel something constricted in my throat. And then I also feel gut, my stomach constrict. And I can also feel just the energy in my body almost short circuit. It's as if I can almost feel myself disconnected in my body. And that's only when something is off means like I'm either colluding with not being in alignment with my truth. Or I'm I'm about to enter a space that's um, not meant for me. So, yeah, it's, it's really helping me. It's almost like a GPS system. Yeah, and it's like a good metaphor for it is when things are off, those coordinates don't exist and I don't know where I'm going anymore. Or the, the reception is scratchy. It feels like that. That's a great example. <laughs> All right, love. Um... What gets you out of bed in the morning? (laughs) A good night's rest. (laughs) (laughs) Preach. Amen to that. Amen to it. Eight hours of sleep. Eight plus hours of sleep. A really nice uh, mattress. (laughs) Um, No, but really, I think that besides, there's something really true to just having a good night's rest to actually get me out of bed. And on the other note is, I believe in the magic and the awe and the mystery of life. Like, I believe every day that I wake up, something something exciting or new is going to happen that I never could have imagined. And that's what wakes me up, is I'm like, what does life have to show me today? And I love that, that sense of curiosity, that sense of mystery... I love living into the mystery of life. Like, what, what's going to happen today? Not, I don't wake up with a plan. Of course, I have my calendar. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I think of when I wake up is, oh my gosh, what is going to happen today? And I love living into the question. Yeah. And then I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh crap, I got to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What are you grateful for? I am going to circle back to my family. Um, I'm so grateful for my parents, for my, my sister, my brothers, and the lineage that I come from. I have a very, very powerful uh, lineage of women who are strong and have had to really assert themselves in the face of patriarchy, in the face of coming to America as immigrants and having to figure out this society in the face of capitalism globally that, you know, my family is, is not 
the, the wealthy family where generational wealth is passed on in the form of money, we pass on our generational wealth in the form of stories, in the form of, you know, food and recipes and music and dance and the spirit. And um, that's what I'm super grateful for. Because nothing that money can buy will ever give me this richness of the family and the tribe that I come from. And I, um, I know that a lot of people feel lonely in the world and have families that are disconnected. And you can't buy, money can't buy that, um, that lineage. So I am blessed. And I feel like uh, every day that, that I have something I should be grateful for, no matter what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Do you have a wish for our country, the world, or the planet? Yes. The, the, my wish is that people really tap into the joy that's in their, in their body, in their heart, in their gut, in their mind, in, in their toes. I know that the joy that I feel is not mine either. That it's something I'm resonating with that, it, that it is available to everyone and there's so much horrible things happening in the world that to just have a little medicine of joy in your life is, mm, it's like the well, best dessert. It is. And I think we share this, mm -hmm. this joy is my rebellion. Yes. Like there is so much atrocity mm -hmm. every time you open up your phone and it's like, oh, it's not turning away from it. It's like seeing it and then being like, and this is what I stand for. And you will not take this away from me, this joy. So. Yes. Yeah. I feel you on that. I know. I, I feel you on that, babe. Yep. <laughs> All right. You're my um, joy mate. <laughs> you're my joy buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you celebrate or love or honor about your life? And... Or what are you really proud of? You know, I know that I could mention a lot of credentials and stuff. But I'm really grateful that when I was completely down, that I have a sense of something got me back up. I'm most proud of getting back up every single time I've fallen, asking for help, believing in something being possible, that's even greater than the crap and the hell that I feel like I'm in. Because I think going and getting credentials is actually much easier than being in that place of desperation or despair or almost helplessness and hopelessness and grabbing on to the one scrap of hope and possibility and chance and building on that. So I'm most proud that something inside of me screams at getting up. And I know I'm going to fall again. And now I'm not scared to fall because I can't stop that thing inside of me screaming at me to say, you'll get through it. Come on, let's go again. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I celebrate that. Yes, I, I celebrate, celebrate that. that with you. She's heard. That she, she is, is heard, heard, darling. <laughs> <laughs> She screams loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And another question is, 
when you die, who do you want to miss you? Or what do you want your life to be for? Or what will be missing once you've passed? Like, what... Mm. What do you mm-hmm. want your life to be for? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand for joy and, and possibility. And I know that there's some people that borrow my joy. And that's okay. In fact, I am more than welcome to loan my joy to anybody who wants it. And when I die... I would love that to be an opportunity for anyone and everyone who's borrowed my joy and my brightness and my passion for life to say, oh shit, now I have to actually do it myself. (laughs) Well, maybe (laughs) they can realize that before you pass. Yeah, well, hopefully they realize before. But, you know, what's going to happen when I die? I'm, I'm going to move on and live in a spirit of, you know, another energy form. And I hope that people remember me as an inspiration for healing and an inspiration to love themselves, love the joy that's in their body. So as I'm in a new form, I will be whispering in people's ears and tugging them, maybe being pushing them at their backs when they feel like sad and moping around. I'll give them a 24-hour pity party. <laughs> and, then, and then I'll whisper in their ear and just remind them of my smile. Or remind them that amidst the worst of the worst of the worst, life is on your side to inspire a form of love and healing and that passageway, that passageway with love leads to joy and leads to a new, a new chance, a new possibility of enjoying life in a new way. Just like I'm going to enjoy life in a new way when I die. I'm going to be probably, you know, capable of hearing everybody. I'm already excited <laughs> that, you see, this joy even transcends my life right now. <laughs> You're a conduit for it. Yes. Yeah. All right, dear, is there anything else you want to add? Any final thoughts? Yes, if you're listening to this right now, I want you to go and do something that makes you happy right now. Take action and implement. Call a friend, listen to music, dance. um, Put on your favorite outfit. Put on your favorite (laughs) outfit. Just laugh at yourself in the mirror until you really are truly laughing at yourself, laughing at yourself. Just take some action. Word. 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 She's heard. She's heard. All right. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Love you so much. Love you too, baby. Thank you so much for listening. Again, that was Elaine Margarita Williams. You can find her at CoachElaineWilliams.com and on Instagram at CoachElaine. If you have a story to share or an experience that helped you find your voice, I'd love to hear from you. Please go to she'sher.com. Click on the button that says share my story. Also, feel free to sign up for the newsletter for updates on the latest releases and opportunities to connect. And tune in for the next episode. I've got some amazing people for us to continue to learn from and be inspired by. Until next time, standing in our collective liberation, be well.